If you are not getting detailed blood work done, preferably every six months, but at least every year, you may be leaving one of the most valuable biohacks and ways of gaining an insight into what's going on inside of our body and our biology and the health thereof on the table. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out five or so very important markers and where you want to be on your blood test. And I'm going to share with you a way to get your next blood test 25% off. So the first is MCV or mean cell volume. This has to do with the size of our cells. Generally speaking, when we are more inflamed or older, we see the volume of cells go up. An MCV that is pretty healthy would be in the low 80s, like an 83, 84. And when we start getting into the high 90s, 96, 97, that correlates with uh, levels of in, high levels of inflammation in the body and accelerated cellular aging. The second is vitamin D, specifically from sunlight. We can all boost our vitamin D by taking high amounts of supplemental vitamin D, but to really get the, 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 the photonic energy that comes from the sun and all of the mitochondrial and, and um, thermoregulatory benefits thereof, you want to have your vitamin D between 50 and 70 or even higher, but getting it from sunlight rather than supplements. Now, if you can't get there because you're not willing to make the lifestyle changes, you're not in a position to for whatever reason, then you can use a high UVB tanning bed or in some cases supplementation in order to do so. The next is a marker for immune health, and this is your neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. You want that to be about one to one. So if that neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio is off, it could be a sign that your immune system is struggling or at least in need of a little bit of help. Um, ALT is when it's elevated, it can be an early warning sign of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So we like to see our ALT under 24. And if it's too much higher than that, there are ways to take care of your liver via milk, thistle, coffee enemas, et cetera. The last couple, uh, high, sensitive, high sensitivity C-reactive protein or HSCRP. You want that under 0.5. For men, you want testosterone, preferably definitely over 600, but preferably over 800 nanograms per deciliter. You want your free testosterone, which is also uh, important, over 20 PG per ml. And you want your ferritin in that 60 to 80 Range Now, obviously, the testosterone and free testosterone doesn't apply to women, but just about all of the others do. And if you guys have not had blood work done in the past six months, the easiest way for you to do that and save 25% is by going to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony. We've set up an awesome 25% discount for you. That's at I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R.com forward slash Anthony. I'm a big fan of their ultimate plan that comes with all of the bells and whistles. And what makes Inside Tracker really cool is they give you personalized recommendations for gut health, overall health, injury prevention and recovery, building endurance, lowering stress. And it's super simple. You basically, in a few steps, step one, you purchase your Inside Tracker plan by going to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony. Uh, you get your blood draw. 
<clears throat> then you get your results and then you get your personalized recommendations and you have it all in one place. You can track your improvements over time. And if at some point in the future you decide you want to work with someone like myself, you'll already have uh, valuable data points that we can apply to give you even more personalized recommendations. So if you guys want to take advantage of that 25% off and get some of those insights into what's going on in your body and biology, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony, select their ultimate plan or any of the offerings at the insidetracker.com forward slash Anthony website and enjoy. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Anahata Ananda, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. <laughs> it is a, a pleasure for sure to connect and to be on the show. We have a lot in common as far as common values and uh, lifestyle vision. So I appreciate you having me on the show for sure. Beautiful. When someone asks you what you do for a living, what do you say? <laughs> that is that is a quandary, I think. Um, I help people going through core life shifts, do core healing, reclaim their power, and awaken their heart spiritually and uh, create a life that they love. So a lot of times people are going through big life changes, either they're having a, a, a breakup, a health challenge, or they're having a wake up and they're expanding or they're wanting to accelerate their impact um, in life. And so I tend to meet people on the full spectrum of life shifts. Uh, which is a blast because I just, I love helping people awaken and uh, really manifest what they want in life. Lovely. And maybe you could share with us a little bit of your origin story and how you got into this. You know, I think it was my own dark night of the soul, Anthony. <laughs> like my whole life was having a, a full meltdown. I got to the point in life where I checked all the boxes and, um, you know, big house, money, marriage, two kids, and it wasn't really a life that was soulful to me, besides my kids, of course. Um, and I think that going through what I call my marital liberation, um, also known as divorce, uh, really shook up every area of my life. And it got me to look at everything, even though I didn't want to look at everything, um, it forced me really to look at everything and decide what are my real values and cr to create, uh, to rebuild my life in alignment with those because I wasn't really living in alignment with my soul. I had checked all the boxes and that led me down a path of, you know, not, not fulfilled and addictions and, um, you know, really a lot of challenges in my health, in my, in my marriage, in, in my like inner peace. And so it catalyzed me into, you know, cause after I was going through that, I just was propelled into personal development. And I started with, you know, shamanism because I wanted to get the deep emotional 
stuff out. And, you know, therapy was just absolutely not cutting it at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, I need to go deep. And so, you know, shamanic, you know, the shamanic practices of deep emotional clearing and soul retrieval and shamanic breathwork started excavating the density and the wounds, the anger, the emotional distortion. And I was so grateful to have that as a tool that was actually getting at the root cause of things. And um, I was just propelled into all things personal development, yoga, meditation, cleansing, fasting, um, neuro, you know, languaging, neuro linguistic programming, mindset, health, all of it. I just kind of dove all in because I just was so unhappy with the way things weren't going <laughs> that I was like, okay, I'm all in in making life changes. And so I was, it was, I was going through so much change that. I was passionate about studying these things myself to help other people through what I was going through because there wasn't as much support 20 something years ago when I was going through it. And now I, I'm so grateful that I went through that. I can say that now. Um, and I just inquire, acquired all of these tools to help other people through their life shifts. Yeah. Well, thank you for the work that you do. And we've got some cool stuff. We're going to cover some of those tactics and strategies in our in our conversation, but uh, I wanted to mention you have a free gift for our listeners, an, an inner child healing that we're going to link to in the show notes. So wherever you guys are listening to this episode, you can you can go there and click that link and get a free gift from uh, Anahata Ananda on inner child healing. And we'll link to some other fun stuff like your shaman, uh, shamangelic breath work and um, all of these things can be found at shamangelichealing.com, which is S-H-A-M-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-H-E-A-L-I-N-G.com. Anything that you want to share on, on, on that little early, uh, early note? Well, I think it's time for us, you know, in this, this last year has been intense for many of us and the shadow is rising, whether it's in humanity, you know, our, our shadow, the, the parts of us that are the, you know, the not so radiant, beautiful parts of us that are seeking to be looked at so that they can be evolved and doing the inner child work, I think is really important doing the shadow work where you're looking at you know, darkness, pain, anger, resentment, um, distortions, things that are in your energy field that are really not true, maybe outdated or trauma that hasn't really been healed and integrated. The lessons from those experiences maybe got bypassed because, you know, maybe when those experiences, whether it was a heartbreak a week ago or whether it was, you know, challenges as, as a youth or trauma as a child, that, you know, when the those get un those are not resolved. They're going to be affecting our health. They're going to be affecting our finances. They're going to be affecting our love life. They're going to be affecting, you know, our emotional body and whether we're happy in life. And so that's why I wanted to give a free gift because we're going to go deep today. I'm I'm excited to go deep. That's one of the things that I really like to do is, hey, let's go talk at the shadow. Let's go let's go look at the shadow. That's the shamanic way. Is let's shine a light on the darkness. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought I would include that free gift of, of a guided visualization to kind of heal the inner child wounds. Beautiful. And, well, uh, guys, that's going to be linked to in the show notes. And uh, Anahata, I would like to talk a little bit about shadow work and fill in yeah. our listeners who may not be familiar. What is shadow work? 
you know, it's, it's looking at our bullshit, frankly. <laughs> it's looking at our pain. It's looking at where there's a distortion somewhere. Maybe, you know, we were raised believing we weren't good enough or that we weren't lovable or that um, we weren't worthy of love. And so the shadow work is going to look at that lie, that, that belief that really isn't in alignment with the truth. So shadow work might also be looking at where am I accountable for things in my life that I've been blaming other people for? Mm -hmm. So that's going to go looking at where there are, where there's patterns that keep repeating, that keep creating an undesirable outcome, like a health problem, like financial problems or heartbreak. The shadow work is, Hey, let's go look at the real root cause instead of run hide, sedate, blame, you know, distract or ignore tend to be the things that we go to when we're not doing our personal development work or looking at the shadow. Where is there, where is there a core wound in me that hasn't healed? Where are there walls up? Where, where is there a, a lie or a limitation or a false belief that is running my life? Mm -hmm. So the shadow work is really, let's go take a look at it. Let's go take a look at what's unresolved, what's not aligned, what's false. Uh, because, you know, most of the time we've been having those experiences, we weren't in a position to, to do the healing work or to do the, the realignment work after a trauma, after a breakup, where we don't know how to interpret those signals because that's not how we were raised. And so shadow work is like, okay, let's go take a look at those things we've been you know, shoving under the carpet because we weren't ready to look at it. We didn't have the tools or didn't have the support system. Mm -hmm. And those things without looking at that, that is sabotaging your current day, you know, your current life situations and potentially your, your future as well. Mm -hmm. a, a few of the challenges that I've seen come up when it comes to shadow work or, you know, uh, evolution, personal growth, whatever vernacular you prefer are, Sometimes it's difficult to ascertain what are our traumas yeah. and what really had a big impact on us, especially if something, um, you know, if we've blocked it out or, you know, suppressed it, if, if, if that's kind of, you know, shoving the energy down, putting it, dusting it under the rug is, is our approach. How do you, how do you start shining a light on what has been impactful for you? Um, I appreciate that question. And I think for everybody, follow the emotional trail. When there's anger, resentment, rage, like when there's sadness, grief, um, follow, the, follow the trail. And most of the times when emotions rise, the tendency is to distract or ignore or sedate, you know, or oppress. Don't feel, don't cry, don't talk about it, especially men especially men have been taught to oppress emotions. Um, men uh, taught to oppress more the watery emotions like, like tears and women are yeah, taught like to oppress. When, when we're afraid we're going to sweat through our eyes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, as if there's something wrong with that. And the thing is, is that if you, if you follow the tear trail, there's usually something that needs healing whether that's abandonment or there was a loss or there was a heartbreak or a rejection. Usually if you follow the tear trail, there's a wound that needs attention. 
And we don't want to ignore those tears. We want to actually go in. And that's where the inner child comes in that says, wow, my little boy or my little girl just felt rejected. And it's like, well, it's okay to feel that. And so we, first of all, we're going to follow the trail and we're going to, we're going to give permission to feel where perhaps we might have been told, don't feel, don't yell, don't cry, don't get angry. We're actually going to give permission to the emotions to express in a healthy way, you know, in a healthy way. And then in that process, we want to inquire, hey, why are you feeling this? What does it remind you of? So that if, if this pattern if, there, if there's a pattern of rage, if there's a pattern of sadness, and we start following it back, follow the trail back, we say, oh, this is reminding me of the time that my dad left when I was three. Or this is the time that this, you know, my, my brother betrayed me, you know, and he embarrassed me in front of my friends or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, or this person uh, lied to me, this, you know, this person I was dating, you know, cheated on me. Or we go, we go back to um, the initial root cause and we start to look at the patterns because if, when a pattern is not healed, when an injury or like a wound or a trauma is not healed, that vibration is still in our energetic field and it will keep attracting situations like it until we look at and get louder each time mm-hmm. um, until we until we look at the root cause and say, oh, I am worthy. I didn't, you know, the fact that I was adopted or the fact that, you know, this person um, wasn't able to parent me or I was rejected in some way, let's just say as a child, that says, even though they didn't value me, that might have been the program that then is, I'm unworthy, just it's the pattern that keeps repeating in life everywhere you go. I'm unworthy. I'm not lovable. Then we go back to that original one. Oh, just because my parents didn't think I was worthy or valuable and they gave me up for adoption does not mean that I'm unworthy. So we start to look at the original imprint there. So I like to follow the emotions back and start asking what's underneath it. What does this remind you? When was this the first time you remember this happening so that we can go back and heal the original wounds and then we also get to go back at seven when it repeated, at nine when it repeated, 12, 13, 15, the whole year of 17, you know, 25 to 28. <laughs> so we get to start to go back and visit that version of us at age six, again, at age 13, and reparent them, bring them the love, the support, the worth, the, the encouragement the advice perhaps that they didn't get at those ages. So we're really reparenting those parts of us that are wounded. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that I've seen come up a number of times is when someone starts giving themselves permission to cry, you know, and to let that energy move. Sometimes it's weeks or months that there's a lot of crying, almost like playing catch up. Yeah. Well, if it's, if it took four decades you know, three, four, five, six decades that that's been oppressed. Yeah, there might be some catch up. And this is where we really get to move more into the feminine energy of just nurturing and patience and and compassion, not judging. Hey, you should be over this by now. You're like, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with four decades of grief mm-hmm. and and I, it's going to take me a minute. And 
And I'm starting to feel and honor my emotions again. That's going to take a minute. It's been, I've been impress, oppressing it for decades. So mm-hmm. not only may it come up a lot, but our tendency to judge it and pre- oppress it, we're also going to be facing that again and again and again, where the inner critic might be bullying ourselves to say, hey, you should be going through this faster. Stop whining about it. And, you know, I had just a client last, um, last week that is really deep, deeply grieving the loss of her son. I mean, this is her son and it was a suicide. And, you know, it's been over a year and everybody's telling her, get over it and move on. And it's just like, she is still going through the grieving process and rushing it, forcing it, judging it um, doesn't help the process move. And so we're also going to be looking at all of our beliefs around emotional expression, anger, sadness, um, and we're going to have to be facing those at the same time and dismantling them, allowing a new program that respects emotional intelligence, that respects that if I'm angry, I know if I'm angry, if I'm pissed, like something's not right. Mm -hmm. And I like, something's not right. Maybe in my business, I'm getting frustrated about a thing. That's probably because there's something that needs to be fixed or needs to be changed or needs to be looked at. And I haven't been dealing with it or something in the environment has changed. So that thing doesn't work anymore. And I haven't had the time or I didn't look at the clues, whether it's in a relationship, your business, your finances, your health. Um, We're getting clues all the time that things need to be addressed and maybe in relations it's like oh I keep you know even with this person that I absolutely adore we keep having fights and that frustration around those fights might be oh we might need to upgrade our communication I might need to do more of my personal development work I might need to learn how to give them space or break codependent patterns so Frustration, anger, rage, sadness, like there's, they're, they, they're intelligent. They rise for a reason. And if we can be more respectful of doing the work when those emotions rise and say, what are you, what are you showing me? Instead of just reach for alcohol or reach for sex or reach for Netflix mm-hmm. of like, what is this about? Mm-hmm. It's to get into the practice of self-inquiry. Yeah. And bringing that observer to our day-to-day life so we can recognize when these emotions come up and then ask the important questions like, where is this coming from? Yes. You know, if it's if it's anger and rage, because you know, some guy like accidentally cut you off on the road. And <clears throat> the first time that you can really think of being rageful was when you were raped as a child, you know. Okay, maybe there's some work there, but right. you're saying recognize and observe these emotions and then ask where's this coming from so that we can kind of trace it back and start that that journey. Right. And if there was, you know, sometimes, you know, many of us might have a couple like, or like a big, big traumas, bigger imprints. And sometimes for many of us, it's just little stuff over time that's stacked and stacked and stacked. I'm not good enough, or I have to be perfect. Um, uh, or I, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my body that I'm not able to attract the right person. There's something wrong with my gender. There's something wrong with my sexuality. There's something wrong with the things that I like aren't the things that I'm supposed to like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so those those kinds of things, you know, people think, oh, well, I didn't have a trauma as a kid. And it might just be this little distortions of programming that are un, unrealistic, that don't allow you to be authentic, that you might mm-hmm. be needing to look at to refine. So I, I've had a lot of people judge even their past. Well, well you know, nothing bad really happened. But the thing is, is that that doesn't mean there's clean energy and clean beliefs in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be subtle. Um, and absolutely, when we're starting to, I love that you said, you know, bring the, the you know, the, the witness when we start bringing forward the witness where we start watching our behavior from like outside of ourselves, this is actually opening in the, in the Hindu tradition. We would say we're opening the third eye because we're not just seeing it through our own experience and through our human eyes. We're actually rising above and awakening our third eye to see the bigger picture. Oh, there's a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm actually part of the problem. Oh, this addiction has to do with this trauma that I'm numbing that I'm not dealing with or this or the pain of this breakup or this divorce that I'm not dealing with. That is a correlation to the addiction to alcohol or pot or whatever it is there. Oh, there's a correlation here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I keep attracting the wrong kind of person because I don't think I'm good enough mm-hmm. or I'm not speaking my truth. I'm not I'm not saying no. So everybody else is running my life. Mm-hmm. And it might be an issue about speaking your truth or having enough self-respect instead of outsourcing that, expecting a boss or a friend or a colleague or uh, a partner is going to respect you without respecting yourself. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're, the witness consciousness is really essential to personal development so mm-hmm. that we can step back and take a look. Yeah. And just before we talk a little bit more on, on radical honesty and, you know, coming from that frequency of truth, what that story you told with the mother and her son who had committed suicide, what perspective do you have and perhaps share in situations like that on the connection between the the spiritual uh, dimension and the physical dimension? You know, some people would say they believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, that we have soul contracts that we have made with certain individuals before we come here. Other people will, will say this is all God's plan and, and I trust in God's plan. What is the perspective that you might offer someone going through a trauma like that mother experienced? Yeah, first of all, I think it's really important with whatever trauma, with whatever pain you're looking at is gentleness and compassion, like to just be kind with yourself so that we're not adding to the trauma by the inner bully saying it's your fault or you should have done better or, you know, that is is making it worse by not being kind to ourselves when we're navigating a sticky tender traumatic experience whatever that is is to first come with with gentleness and compassion um and this is where it's important to uh delineate between self and another soul that a lot of times when we're dealing with a death or we're dealing with a breakup um or we're dealing with a a a a villain victim situation, a trauma of some kind, is it is we want to separate that these are two separate souls with their own journey and their own path. 
because as a mother and I'm a mother, I can feel that I have to control the direction of my kids that I'm responsible um, and uh, for, for their choices. And the thing is, is that I'm not in a position to make choices for somebody else. I'm not, I can't make a choice when they're little, of course, but at, you know, at when they, when they are growing and, and becoming more young adults or adults, like this is an acknowledging that this person has their own will. They're their own soul with their own path, their own struggles, their own challenges and their own classroom, their own destiny and their own karma in this lifetime. And so, you know, part of that is to just give a little bit space and to understand it a bigger picture. Of course, we're going to want to have a different perspective and elevate above the situation that says, you know, his addiction or his or his depression or whatever he was going through is about him. Now, as a mother, we can look at, did I have any part of that? Did I make it worse? Did I contribute that in any way? So we want to, this is doing the inner work. Did I have anything to do with that? That's radical honesty. It's that's a big, tough question to ask. Did I have any accountability? Absolutely, responsibility. Did I have any part? And hey, if I was a drunk when my son was was little, then you know, yes, I can look at my accountable. I can look at any part that I contributed to that, and that's where I'm going to need to come to my own radical forgiveness. I'm going to be going to need to look at my own humanness, and and forgive myself if I contributed in any way. And, and that may be 3%, it may be 0%, it might be 40%. Either way, we wanna look at our part, if there is any part, we wanna look at it. And back to honesty, because it's not 100%. It's definitely not 100% because I don't have will over somebody else's life, I might want to, and this is where codependency comes in, where we're reaching into somebody else's life, trying to get them to not be depressed or trying to get them to sober up. And whether they want to or not, tough, tough, radical accountability is not within our control. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have, you know, one of my relatives has been dancing with addiction for four decades. Mm-hmm. Wow, did I come with force, judgment, control, guilt, shame, love, trying to get him to sober up and wake up. And then when the truth, when it, when it comes down to it, is that judgment isn't making it any better. Mm-hmm. And radical accountability, my judgment is making it worse. How can I pull back, not my love, but pull back my control, my judgment, my opinion, and just be in the loving space of how can I support you? How can I love you? Mm-hmm. Um, without the condition of you have to be sober, you have to, you have to stay alive all the way to the point that you can't take your life. Like, because people can, mm-hmm. the truth is we all have will and we can direct that in any way that we wish. You know, our loved ones might not like that. They might not like our choices. And this is where we get to deal with our own judgment about other people's choices, like to sedate to take your own life, to um, to be addicted to a substance. And now we want to look at the bigger picture as to what was going on underneath that. And we may not ever know with a son that took his own life, all of the things that contributed to that. Mm-hmm. But we can know that what is what am I here to learn from this? Mm-hmm. What am I here to heal? 
What am I here to forgive? And then what I would always do is reestablish a relationship with the soul that's on the other side. So if it's a father that passed, if it is a partner that passed, if it is a child that passed, I will always in a session reconnect them to that soul so that we can do some clearing, forgiveness work, com you know, communicate. Hey, here's what I wanted them to know before they left. Here's what I want them to know now. Here's what this soul wants the mother to know. So I'll do a lot of interdimensional work to reestablish a current relationship so that there isn't a loss and we can receive perspective from the soul that's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful to see the healing work that happens when you're in a session with somebody that has passed or somebody that has been, maybe there's, they're estranged mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, um, and they haven't yet passed. We can do a lot of healing work interdimensionally um, to bring about clearing between both parties. And it does a, it's a lot of heart work. It's a lot of compassion. It's a lot of forgiveness. There's a lot of tears and there's a lot of release to be like, okay, I am not responsible for the parts that I'm not responsible for. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to carry the burden that isn't mine. And I can forgive <laughs> the part that is mine. But even if it's 2% or 52% in any situation, I want to look at the part that is mine. And what is the lesson here that I'm learning? Mm -hmm. Um I also feel that radical honesty is part and parcel with recognizing that everyone that's in our life that we love is going to pass and <laughs> us too. And, and, and that is the frequency of truth. It's an inevitability on a long enough timeline. And some of the regret that we may experience is that we weren't as present as we could have been. We didn't feel that truth. We didn't let the person know. We didn't spend more quality time with them or whatever, you know, your love languages are and what theirs are. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that kind of ties back into what you mentioned of being willing, having the courage to look at the shadow and look at some of the hard truths of life so that they could shape the way that we are living. Absolutely. That's the lesson of the experience. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what am I learning from this? What would I do differently? Mm -hmm. I would spend more quality time. I would apologize. I would let them know that I care about them. I would show up. And so th those are the lessons that when you do the inner work, when you really excavate, and it takes tremendous amount of courage, and this is why I walk people through the process, whether it's a, a private session or, you know, a virtual experience or, or a whole retreat or whatever it is, is to walk people through that. Let's go down there. Let's, let's I'll hold your hand through the process. Let's go take a look at the pain, the anger, and what is yours and what is theirs. So we can kind of separate that out and what doesn't really belong to you that you need to give back to them that you've been holding and feeling responsible for. So there's going to be that clarity. And as you said, that every person in our life will pass. If we also look at every person in our life as a teacher mm -hmm. and that every situation is a classroom, mm -hmm. then that's going to be the perspective of what is this teaching me? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, and we've got to go deep to look at that because we've got in order to see clearly what is it teaching me, I've got to get my emotion. I've got to get my I've got to swim through my emotional waves first because I won't be able to get to that clarity about what's really true when I'm like navigating the tsunamis of grief or the tsunamis of rage. Like mm -hmm. that's got to move so that then we can get to. All right. What is this really about? 
And we're going to be looking at what is this person teaching me, whether it is the person that abuse, what is it, whether it is my abuser, whether it is my parent, whether it's my child, whether it's my ex, whether it's the person they had the affair with, like, what am I here to learn? What is this teaching me? Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the positive, the, the, the real benefit of doing the inner work and doing the child, inner child healing work is when we excavate it, it's like, okay, now I have this pearl. Now that I've gone through the deep oceans in the abyss, now I have this treasure of trust my intuition or honor other people's journey or be a better listener. Or when I, it's important for me to speak my truth. If I feel a no, say no. If I feel a yes, say yes. And so all of those pearls are going to be what really helps us navigate and benefit our journey going forward. Mm-hmm. Because when we take the lesson and we implement it, now we've got gold in the present moment because mm-hmm. now we are seizing the day. Now we are making every relationship count. Now we are listening to the body's cues around where it needs, you know, to be healthier. And we're, we're trusting our intuition in business or in relationships much more, which helps avoid unnecessary conflict. And we break the pattern That's what's really exciting is we break the pattern. Here's why friends don't let friends vaccinate. Fear does not stop death. It stops life. And worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. The COVID quote unquote vaccine is not a vaccine. They've said it will take multiple doses and even then require continuous reinjection. That's a drug, not a vaccine. Add to that that this is the first ever mRNA vaccine, which contrary to the propaganda websites and news outlets out there debunking the real risks, has the potential to change our genetic makeup, perhaps even making a legal case that humans who have received the vaccine have now been genetically modified, almost like a GMO. Let that sink in for a moment. And then you take into that, into consideration, the fact that multiple countries are showing dozens of adverse effects. Hank Aaron, the Major League Baseball star, died just within a a week of getting the COVID vaccine. And there are many more cases, far too many to even name here. This is part of the reason that many of us have decided to be the change that we want to see in the world. And we are forming a regenerative, community-sufficient tribe living in harmony with nature in Western North Carolina. Here's a little bit of the community guidelines and manifesto for those of you guys that may be interested. It's going to be off-grid power. So each home is going to have their own power, either through propane, solar, hydroelectric, wood stoves, or some combination thereof. Uh, There's going to be no Wi-Fi or wireless electricity, but we will have wired internet connections that are faster and healthier. Uh, Each parcel of land on the property, each home site is going to have uh, spring water for drinking, bathing, and gardening. 
we have a regenerative philosophy that we're bringing. So if, for example, we need to cut down five trees to put in a road, we're going to plant 10. Um, we believe that we are divine creators in the image of God and that the laws of God uh, belong above the laws of man. Um, we're going to encourage gardening, growing some or all of your own food. Many people don't realize this, but a family of four can be fed on just a quarter acre. Um, we're going to be connected to our local law enforcement, particularly the local sheriff. We're going to be attending um, meetings and lobbying for laws that uphold the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our freedom, and the health and sustainability, I know that's a buzzword, uh, of, of Mother Nature. We're going to focus on the good, the true, and the beautiful. Um, our currency is going to be trading of goods and services, um, possibly silver, possibly gold, but not relying on, uh, you know, paper money that's not backed by anything and certainly headed for a crash. Or... Uh, the cryptocurrency, which is um, part of, you know, this sort of slavery system that they're kind of trying to usher the unsuspecting into. Uh, we believe our greatest assets are our community, our character, and our health. Family is wealth. Uh, no mask, no vax. There's going to be community homeschooling. Uh, it's critical that we teach our children as they are our future. So we're going to be big on practicing critical thinking, challenging convention, seeking wisdom, not information. There's going to be no usury, so no charging interest on any loaned money. And all of us are going to be looking to add value, leaving everyone in our community better than we found them. Um, if you're interested in learning more about how you could possibly be a part of this community, uh, you can go to biohackercoaching.com. I want to be forthright and respect your time. The minimum investment is a 25K donation that guarantees uh, a quarter acre plot of land. Uh, 75K guarantees uh, a full acre of land and 195K guarantees three acres of land. And our community is a beautiful mix of entrepreneurs, healers, yogis, health professionals, families, and individuals who value freedom, connection, and living in harmony with Mother Earth. Uh, this sounds funny, but after 2020, you got to say it. All religions except for Satanism and Luciferianism are valued and welcome. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, as long as God's at the top. Um, that's all that matters. So, yeah, you can learn more about that and grab a time for us to talk at biohackercoaching.com. Just please make sure that you know, the, you're financially qualified. And if you would like to request after you filled out your application, if you'd like to request that it is moved to the front of the line, you can text community VIP to 847-989-3743. Guys, if you're getting value from this conversation, uh, please share this episode with one or two people that, that would also get value and appreciate it. Um, and, uh, just ask them to give it 15, 20 minutes. Um, so thank you. Let's let's continue. I'd like to talk a little bit about the feminine and masculine balance uh -huh. because one of the things that I've been observing recently, I, I've seen so many examples of, and I don't mean this to come across judgy, uh, weak men and mm -hmm. men not leading women, you know, acting like it's okay to watch copious amounts of pornography in their in, in their relationships and like women should tolerate that. 
you know, if you look at the reality that many women are experiencing where they're put, thrown in cubicles and put on hormones and, th- you know, given hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, it's like, it's like hell, you know? And I think part of the starting place and, and or part of the reason that so many women are ex- expressing frustration is because the men are not stepping up right now. And I would have to imagine that some of this has to do with rebalancing the masculine and feminine and like restoring order. Maybe you could speak on that a little bit and um, yeah, I'll let you run with it. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. This is, this is definitely up right now. And this is not just related to gender. This is about balancing the feminine and masculine within so that we are coming with more wholeness Let's visit the feminine for a little bit on the feminine in men and women, the left side of our body, the right side of our brain is more sensitive in a good way because the feminine intuition for men and women is what helps us sense if something is a yes or a no. Do we pause? Do we go? Is it mine? Is it not? Is it true? Is it false? And so we actually want as men and women to honor our sensitivity, including our emotions, because our emotions, all of those, and our intuition, they're going to help guide us. It's our GPS system. And when, as for men or women, when we oppress that, then we're going to be looking outside ourselves for direction. And we tend to be weak, men, men and women, we tend to be more sheep. Well, I don't know what to do. I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I don't have my own internal GPS. I don't, I don't know who I am. So, then we see in men and women so much, how am I supposed to look? What am I supposed to do? What does success look like? What is my body supposed to look like? And so that's a part of our feminine that we're bringing back on board is listening to our own truth, our own sensitivity, our own emotions. And so on the feminine side, we have sensitivity, we have um, patience, we have intuition, we have flexibility, we have nurturing self-care and a spiritual faith, you know, some spiritual connection outside of ourselves, we're willing to receive divine guidance instead of the ego trying to do it all ourself on the feminine side and men and women is, is, is receptive to allow in um, guidance, healing, insight, um, perspective. And so these are all things that are more on the feminine side um, a creativity as well. And as we navigate creating the new paradigm here um, on earth, as then we're going to need that intuition and the creativity that thinks outside of the box. That's the right side of the brain, which is more feminine. Let's look at the big picture. Let's look at the long game. Let's look at the impact on seven generations out. Let's look at the impact environmentally. And right now, most of our commerce does not have a feminine component. It's just a profit component, which is not taking care of humanity and it's not taking care of the planet. So we can see that we're running our businesses from a more out of balance masculine. Mm-hmm. So let's, I want to just make a little quadrant here that there is on the feminine side, there's unhealthy feminine and healthy feminine, you know, conscious feminine. And on the masculine side, there's unhealthy masculine, greed, bullying, um, uh, competition, force, anger, war, these kinds of things. And then there's also the healthy masculine. So when we look at the healthy masculine, which is more the right side of the body in men and women, 
left side of the brain, more analytical. The healthy masculine looks like courage, integrity, honesty, um, also resilience, ethics, doing the right thing, being discerning. Um, and he's also about teamwork. Let's rise together instead of I win, you lose, which is more the unhealthy masculine. The win-win is more what the healthy masculine, how, how can we work together? How can we create a product that serves humanity that also honors the environment and, and also is ethically sourced and ethically created? So we're, we're shifting this business model. And so what's happening inside of us is where there's out of balance, like too much masculine, not enough feminine, um, or too much feminine, like the unhealthy feminine would be the drama queen, would be insecure. She would be wishy-washy, indecisive. Um, she would be cold. What's that? Bridezilla. Bridezilla. Yes. Dragon lady, <laughs> ice queen, all of these things, gossipy, you know, this kind of thing. Um, and so we're looking at the unhealthy masculine, which is in men and women leading our country. The unhealthy feminine is, you know, what we're seeing on, um, you know, reality TV, mm-hmm. drama, manipulation, you know, these kinds of things. And um, what we're doing, what is happening in the shadow, we're seeing the unhealthy feminine and masculine and and how it's hurting us. Hate, rage, those kinds of things way down here. Shame, guilt, abuse, bullying, sex trafficking, all of this, you know, sexual misconduct in Hollywood and lots of places. And we're in, and, and so we're, we're, what has happened in this last year is, is we're seeing our shadow in the unhealthy feminine and unhealthy masculine rise. So in each of us individually, we get to look at, wow, this is what I was raised with. This is what was m- most likely reinforced by society. That when you bully someone, guess what? You get the job, you get the lunch money, you, get, you, get, you win the trophy. And so we're, we're actually looking at where some of these patterns have been reinforced by society. So this is where we get to do the shadow work, each of us individually and saying, wow, where, where do I have any unhealthy feminine or unhealthy masculine aspects? And you know what? I have a course on that. So we'll give your, your we'll give your whole crew yeah. a, a discount on that course too. What's it called? So people can find uh, it. Balancing too. the feminine and masculine within. Okay, it's balancing the masculine and feminine within on, yeah. the, on shamangelichealing.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll find that under online courses because this is so valuable for all of us to have. This is where we can come back to more integrative wholeness mm-hmm. where we can say, what is my part? Because we can say, oh, those people in the White House or those people in Hollywood or those people that do that. You're like, well, where, where am I participating? Mm-hmm. Where where am I bullying? Maybe it's to myself. Maybe it's the inner critic. Where am I not being ethical? Where am I not creating a Mm win-win? Where am I being cold? Where have I not come to forgiveness? Where am I not listening to my intuition? Where am I not being ethical? These are all questions so that we can evolve those lower frequencies in our feminine and masculine and rise them to more the healthy feminine and healthy masculine qualities so that we're not looking for um, our partner 
or our job or our neighbor or our parents to bring wholeness. We're doing that ourselves. And then if I'm in that respectful space as a woman, I'm not going to tolerate a relationship that disrespects me if my healthy masculine is intact Mm -hmm. and my healthy feminine is intact. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lead without ethics. I'm not going to say yes to things that aren't in alignment. So we got to do our inner work to start changing the way we relate to each other and how we create, you know, and, and our planet and commerce. So this is happening. Mm -hmm. This is happening. And we're, we're kind of being forced invited strongly (laughs) to, to do this kind of work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask you, Anthony, what is something that you think might be unhealthy feminine or unhealthy masculine that you were raised with? A big one was not allowing myself to cry. Yes. I never, I never saw my dad cry. Um, I, when I was in my twenties, asked my mom if she'd ever seen him cry. And she said once when you were born. And, uh, and the only time I even maybe saw a tear leave his eye was when his dad died. And that wasn't because he was sad. He lost his father. It was because that marked the end of any opportunity for him to establish a relationship with his father that he never had. You know what? I want to acknowledge you just mentioned two different forms of tears because when you're, when you were born, your dad had happy tears. And why would we ever want to oppress anyone, man or woman's happy tears? Those are tears of joy, tears of truth. And why would we want to oppress anyone's tears of grief that they're sad that this chapter is closing and I'm not ever going to have this relationship with my dad that I wanted? Like, it's natural to have grief and it's natural to be joyful and tears are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is something that you're doing to evolve that pattern? Because it was in there for a long time. I, I, I don't find myself crying much, to be honest. And it's, I, I, I've, I've given myself permission to cry more, but I don't often feel that urge. Yeah. Um, my brother's taught me a lot because he's, he's been, he was one of the people that I was thinking of when I mentioned that phase of finally allowing yourself to cry. And he went through a few months where he was crying a lot. Like we're talking multiple times a day and, and then it kind of leveled out, you know what I mean? And he's like, he doesn't, he doesn't feel the same, uh, desires to express himself. You know, he's kind of purged. He's allowed that Mm -hmm. energy to, to flow where maybe it hadn't. I haven't gone through that myself. Um, you know, one of the things that's been a little bit curious to me that I wanted to ask you about, and I know I want to be respectful of your time and kind of land land this plane, maybe talk about shamanic breathwork after this, uh, shamangelic breathwork, I should say, um, is sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much Catholic guilt around around sex and what it should be. And then when you, you you explore the Bible, there's a lot of talk of people with multiple wives. And it's 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 not necessarily what we've heard from the church. But then when I also look at sexual relationships, it does seem like it's um there's it, it can be much more difficult for women emotionally to make that physical connection and, you know, casually date than, than say men. And as someone that's trying to be conscious about 
the emotional impact that I have on, on everyone. I'm curious, what is your perspective on sex and, you know, what is, what is best for humanity and like our collective approach to that part of our lives? Um, thank you for asking. This is a, it's a great question. And I did a podcast on this with Kylie about, you know, just looking at sexual distortions and sexuality. And I do a whole course for women specifically on womb healing and awakening the sacred feminine and honoring sacred sexuality. And this is not something we were taught, Anthony, we were not taught sacred sexuality. Like you mentioned with, with the, you know, like religious guilt and shame is some of the lowest possible frequencies that we can feel. And our sexual urges, you know, have, have, a, have, we have natural sexual urges and a lot of those are also distorted with guilt, shame, or, hey, you need to be sexual before you're ready just to get approval or to not be judged or to get that person to like you or to be a man. You have to, you have to, you have to conquer a woman. You have to get that. And so we've got to, we've got to go back to how we were programmed, how we were trained. And, you know, this goes back to the very beginning of when I was a little girl or a little boy, how was the opposite sex spoken about? Because that right, right at the very beginning, before we even become go through puberty or we start going through our sexuality, we start looking at how mom treated dad, how dad treated mom, how men treated women, how women uh, were, how women are treated, and we our programming around value and worth sexually starts way early. And there's so much distortion and there's so much not not true. And there's there's a lot in the media that portrays men as this and women as that. So we're also starting to see this is what sex is in a movie or in pornography or in a magazine or in um, on a like a, a Budweiser ad, you know, or a car ad. We're starting to see men and women, their value and their worth sexually way early on. So we've got to acknowledge that before we even get into the bedroom, whatever age that is, even like when we're first starting to become sexual, there is so much distorted programming that, that, that dishonors the sacredness of the sexual, of, of sacred sexual expression. Mm -hmm. It's a trophy. It's, it is, um, how to release emotion instead of, or to get something rather than to have it be a deep, beautiful connection between two people that are communicating, that are honoring and respecting each other mm -hmm. and, and can communicate about the kind of intimacy that they're ready for without pressure, without force, um, but with communication that usually is well beyond our maturity level at 13 or at 15 or at 17. And especially if we've been trained and educated by people that also have a completely messed up, distorted version of sexuality. So I'm going to ask you, what is something that you heard as a boy growing up before you were sexually active? What is something that you heard that affected your view of women? You know, one of the things, one of the early times that I remember being very nervous around sexuality, I was like a late bloomer. 
and I was more advanced in sports than I was in relationships. Um, and I, I don't mean, I was more experienced in sports than I was in relationships. So I remember playing varsity soccer. And as a sophomore, every time we won, they would, they would be story time on the bus ride home. And guys would tell stories of themselves hooking up with women. And I was terrified because I'd never done anything but like kiss a girl. And I had no stories, right? And I knew at some point, if we won enough games, it was going to be my turn. And um, so then, I mean, for for months, I was like, man, I got to get some stories. Why am I like I, the only one on the bus? At least that's what I thought. You know, why am I the only one on the bus without any of these stories? Like, you got to get some stories, man. And I, I, I have wondered how much that emotional imprint has stayed with me. You know? right? it's, it's powerful. And I want to acknowledge that you weren't a late bloomer at all. The judgment that it has to be by when you're sophomore or a junior, like when you're 16, 15, 16, 17, that's the perception of the collective. And mm -hmm. rather than honoring what felt natural and your natural curiosity towards women or your natural, you know, like, hey, look, I'm into sports right now. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not interested in chicks right now. I really like soccer. This is my jam. I don't, I'm not interested right now. Does not mean that there was anything wrong with you. Can you hear that judgment mm -hmm. that I was a late bloomer? It's like, no, you're just blooming at your own time in your own way. And I guarantee a lot of women feel that pressure as well. Oh, are you a virgin still? Are you a virgin still? Like, oh, you haven't given it up yet? Oh, you're, oh, you know. And so, but a woman, same thing. I don't like wanting to, uh, rather than there being a judgment about timeline, what if there wasn't a judgment about timeline and you were naturally able to explore your sexual curiosity, whether you were 16 or 22 or 28? Do you feel, see how there's that social pressure? And there's a lot of social pressure for women as, as well. Mm -hmm. Especially if you like somebody, oh, well, then there's the social pressure, whether you're ready or not, to give them what they want. And you mm -hmm. can hear that a lot of men are wanting to get the story, which has nothing to do with how they feel about the woman. Mm -hmm. Or at that point, young, young woman. Mm -hmm. You see, like, there's very little respect going on on both sides. Right. So early. For sure. And so imagine you're speaking to the dating male collective, right? <laughs> um, you've mentioned this new paradigm that we're kind yeah. of moving into. And for the men that are, are ready to move into that new paradigm, how do you feel is, the, is, is a good and healthy way for them to approach dating and sacred sexuality that would yeah. be best for the collective? Start talking. Like scratch all the expectations of dates on, you know, sex on a third date or like just scratch it all and just be vulnerable and be honest and be present so that you actually get to know this other person, not with this prize in the background of I'm just getting to know you to bed you. Mm -hmm. Just actually really getting to know who is this person at a soul level? What is their past? What are their passions? What are their fears? Where are those, those wounds? And guaranteed, so many of us have sexual wounds. 
and just even just sections. I just call those what you just explained is quite typical. And most of us have and women too. sexual distortions, unrealistic expectations, guilt, shame, maybe maybe a woman like because she really liked somebody said yes or didn't say no and then got pregnant. And so then there's the additional guilt of, you know, having sex maybe before she was ready or an unwanted pregnancy or, or an STD. Like there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of distortion in everybody's sexual energy field. Mm-hmm. And what if we actually just started talking about that so that we could navigate sexuality with more awareness, more tenderness, and being aware of maybe the traumas or the distortions that we're both still trying to unravel. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, the way we can talk about, gosh, I really want to, I really want to have sex right now. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to withhold and just talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really have sexual desire that, you know, I know that we're not emotionally ready yet. Mm-hmm. We don't know each other yet. Mm-hmm. to be able to have this be sacred intimacy versus just sex. And so I think for everybody dating is to just be a lot more vulnerable, a lot more authentic, and it's going to be new and uncomfortable. Well, what's a lot more uncomfortable is to have sexual relations in which we think we're connecting. And then afterwards we just neither feels great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it can, it, it, it can smother that emotional connection if you're too quick with the physical. 100%, 100%. Or as I work with a lot of couples, they, 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 their relationship is based on the shallow end of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to reach a ceiling with how deep their relationship is because it's based on this shallow sexuality. They don't actually know each other very well. They're going through the motions. They're hiding a lot. Both are not really speaking about what they like and don't want in the bedroom. There's not great communication about each other respecting outside of the bedroom. And so they're reaching a ceiling, even though they might be married with two kids or it's a great soul, soul connection relationship. But it's, it keeps reaching a ceiling and they're just, they're stuck. It's stagnant because that depth was never established at the very beginning. And now they're well into their habits mm-hmm. where a great relationship goes in the shallow end and ends because they don't have the communication tools to navigate the uncomfortable times and have just been using sex to, to, um, after a, after an argument, they've just been like, well, let's just have sex rather than let's deal with the issues. Mm-hmm. Using sex as a bypass rather than saying, you know what, I don't feel respected here or I really don't want this. I want this, but I was just afraid you're going to leave me if I tell you that. So I think that dating, it's time for a lot more radical honesty and vulnerability and um, tenderness and releasing all of the other expectations that we learned in our youth about what a relationship is supposed to look like and just allow it to unfold naturally. 
Guys, if anything uh, Anehata Ananda has shared has helped you, please share this episode with someone else who would enjoy it and ask them to give it a few minutes. Uh, last question to kind of bring it home before you share the, the best way for people to stay up to date with your work beyond just going to uh, shamangelichealing.com and checking out the free gift uh, on the inner child healing that we're going to share in the show notes. Um Many of our listeners are familiar with like Wim Hof breath work, yeah. right? Uh, maybe you could kind of tell us a little bit about shamangelic breath work and some of the key differentiators. Um, well, one of the things that I do with shamangelic, it's a journey. It's not like a daily breath work, like a Wim Hof where you might you know, do a daily breath work to detox the body, to clear the mind, to open consciousness. There's also all kinds of different pranayamas, which are like, you know, the Indian, East Indian tradition of different breathwork practices to balance the left and right hemispheres of the brain, to calm the nervous system. So there's lots of meditation breathing practices. This is specifically a breathwork journey that's, you know, quite a while, uh, you know, like a, a full ceremony with the introduction and everything and, and the journey and the integration is like two hours. Um, this is breath that goes down. It's directed down into the basement like a broom to, to go into where there's, where there's things hiding in the basement to, to bring forward that like deep inhales and exhales that are really hyper-oxygenating the body, then start accessing the subconscious brain. And that's where the traumas, that's where the memories are that we want to bring forward so that we can integrate, we can face them, that we can um, bring awareness to what's there. So the, the shamanjelic breath work that I facilitate is a deep journey inward. It's quite emotional. Um, it can be very cathartic. It can be very liberating. It can be heart opening. It can be healing inner child wounds. It can be absolutely ecstatic in the clarity of a vision of soul purpose or connection to higher power or divine. So every journey is different. And um, we do have virtual breathwork experiences. So we'll put the link in, in the show notes as well. If people want to come and have, they can't get here in Sedona and do an individual or like a group breathwork with me, then um, they can join on the virtual option. But really uh, what I think is different is how to go deep with each person tailored to what they need to hear or what they need to release or what they need to open to, to bring greater alignment or greater attunement. Um, so it's very much in the personal journeys, very tailored to each person's individual situation of where we might clear out density and bring in more light. Uh, so it's, it's a profound journey. It's one of my favorite tools and I've been doing that for 20 years. I've led over 8,000 people through the process. Um, and it's one of my most favorite for core healing, spiritual awakening and, um, heart expansion. Lovely. And yeah. can people find, I mean, you have one coming up March 12th and then people that want to stay up to date on future ones, shamangelichealing.com. 
Yeah, on the Especially. under the calendar on shamangelichealing.com under the calendar we'll always have our next because we're you you know we're going to try to do those every every month or so or every 6 weeks. Um and so I highly recommend doing a virtual journey if you can get here in Sedona that's the most powerful is doing that in person. We have groups, I have a group of uh, you know a, a group retreat coming tomorrow with 12 women, oh, another nice. men's group with eight people next week and so people come and say hey, we, we want to bring a bunch of us together or just um, yourself or with a partner or a friend. And so those journeys are powerful and all of that. You can, you know, uh, let me know if you're coming to Sedona and book in. And um, uh, Ben, uh, Ben Greenfield came and did a breath work with me just a couple months ago. And so there's a, nice. there's a podcast, my, I, uh, the, my podcast is Shamangelic Healing, Shamangelic Healing Podcast. Oh, nice. Um, which we got to have you on, Anthony. I would love to have uh, your brain about it. all of your it. magical wisdom. <laughs> so, um, so, but anyway, the episode 53 explains, uh, Ben goes through his breathwork journey and explains a little bit more about it. So people might like that. Um, I've been doing that breathwork with Aubrey Marcus and all of his crew for like seven years now. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. So, that's and, great. Well, Anehata Ananda, this has been a lovely conversation. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and time. And um, yeah, guys, go to shamangelichealing.com, S-H-A-M-A-N-G-E-L-I-C healing.com. Grab the free uh, inner child healing gift that we're going to link to in the show notes. Anehata, anything else you'd like to share with the people as we kind of wrap up? If you're still here, then it's time. If you're still listening, I want to acknowledge that you are ready for awakening or you're ready to accelerate your awakening. And so I just, I want to acknowledge, you know, those people that are still listening for their commitment to their own personal development. And it's no accident that you're here having this conversation, you know, listening to this conversation. And so whether it's with me or somebody else, if you are ready to accelerate, then absolutely say yes, trust your intuition and find the right workshop, healing, ceremony, sessions that will help you um, take your life to the next level and clear out the density and make room for more light. So so I'm find me on shamangelichealing.com. I'm also on Instagram, Anahata Ananda, and, um, and, of, and, and the podcast, Shamangelic Healing Podcast, and um, looking forward to having you on the show. And I want to thank you, Anthony, for your dedication, so many episodes. I'm so impressed with how how dedicated you are to really bring out conscious content and resources to this community. So thank you, brother, for what you're doing and what you're sharing with the community and, and what you're doing on a personal level. Um, thank you as well. This lead. has been wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, Anthony here, and I just wanted to give you a big biohack thank you for listening. I'm so humbled and grateful that you're spending some of your day with me and the Biohacking Secrets Show. And if you get any value from this episode, or you've gotten value from previous episodes, it would mean the world if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends, family members, and coworkers on social media. That way we can continue to spread this information and positively impact as many lives as possible. And it's also how our podcast gets discovered by more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. 